Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, and today we're going to talk about how to support someone you love when they are going through something. And this is on my mind because we just had a death in the family. My wife's father died. Kim's dad passed unexpectedly. He was a healthy guy, and then we got news that he wasn't feeling well, and pretty quickly he deteriorated, and then he was gone. And so it was unexpected, and I liked him very much. He was a nice guy, but obviously Kim was closer to him, as it was her father. And her father had always meant a lot to her. And so right now she, as I'm sure you understand, she's in the grief process. She's going through it. And that means that my role is to support her the best way that I can. And it's always difficult when someone we love is going through something and we can't fix it. We can't do anything to make their lives easier or better. We can only be present with them. This happens at many different times in our lives, and I was hoping that by making an episode on this topic, it's possible that I could share some ideas or tips for how you can be there for someone in your life if they're going through something and there's nothing really you can do about it except to be there for them. And what might that look like? And again, obviously this is going to be different for every person in every situation, but hopefully maybe you'll come away from this episode with some ideas about how you can be there for your person. And there are always many layers to a loss or to a situation, to a difficulty. So for example, Kim was gone for five weeks. She went to the Philippines, back to where her parents lived. She was gone for five weeks. The journey there is very arduous, so it takes like two days to get there. <laughs> I think her first trip from Michigan to the Philippines was like 40 hours all said and done. And then the same way coming home, it was like another two days, another 36 hours or something like that. So there's the level of her physical exhaustion with the travel. There's the exhaustion of having her life interrupted, obviously. She was not planning to leave the country or be gone for five weeks. <laughs> so, you know, our lives were disrupted in that way. And then there's also the emotional and mental levels, right? Because she had to watch her father deteriorate. She had to watch him go through the illness, sit with him, be with him even through all of the surgeries and the attempts to save his life. And then eventually when he died, you know, she was there as well. And so whatever your person is dealing with, whether it's an emotional loss, a mental loss, or there's some physical difficulty, Showing that you care and being there for them can make a significant difference in their sense of well-being. And so here are some of my suggestions for things that you can start thinking about for how you might offer that support. And of course, again, it's going to depend on what their situation is and what level of care they need. 
But one of the most important things that you can do is offer empathy and validation. Now, empathy is not the same as sympathy. You know, saying things like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss, or I'm so sorry for you, or I feel so bad for you. That's not necessarily the same as truly acknowledging how they feel, listening to what they're saying, trying to validate their feelings, trying to understand what they're going through. This is done by putting yourself in their shoes, acknowledging any emotions that they're sharing with you, and doing our best not to dismiss or downplay their struggles. So for example, if someone has died, it's not always helpful to be like, oh, you know, it's part of a plan or now they're in a better place. You don't necessarily want to hear that (laughs) when someone you loved has died unexpectedly. And so be really careful about offering some of these empty, shallow platitudes that we we say in difficult situations, like if you have a friend that gets divorced or someone gets broken up with and you're like, oh, it's fine, there's many fish in the sea, that kind of invalidates how they're feeling because it doesn't really matter at that moment that there are fish in the sea or how many fish there are or what kind of fish there are. The person doesn't care. You know, they're in a lot of pain. And so trying to be emotionally present for them, saying things more along the lines of, I'm so sorry that this happened to you, and that's really hard, and you have every right to feel how you're feeling. And just trying to be a good listener, trying to give them your undivided attention when they want to talk. Allow them to express their thoughts and feelings and concerns about the situation without judgment, without telling them what they need to do. Or So I'm pretty guilty of this myself because I'm such a compulsive problem solver that when someone tells me a problem, I immediately start drafting up a 10-point plan (laughs) in my mind of how they're going to solve that problem. And telling people how to solve their problems is not often what they're looking for. I have learned the hard way over time. Often what they're looking for is just someone to acknowledge that it's a tricky situation. Just tell them that what they're feeling is accurate. It's valid. That's coupled with listening well. So listening, but not necessarily trying to jump in and take over the situation or jump in and help them or do things like that. It's more about being present and available. Just letting them know that you're there for them. Whatever they need, if they need to talk or they need someone to support them, just making it clear that you are there, you are willing to help any way that you can, And this can be in any kind of simple way, such as just always answering their texts or taking their calls or even just sitting with them, hanging out with them, even if neither of you know what to say. Sometimes I find that in these situations, just being very honest and open. So in the case of Kim, obviously, we're very close. So I can just be like, what do you need right now? Like, do you need me to shut up or do you need me to tell you a funny story or do we need to joke around or do I need to be serious? Like, I can just say that to her. (laughs) Sometimes we can't always do that unless we're really close to someone, just be like, tell me what you need. I absolutely got you. But sometimes we can, and honesty might be what carries you pretty far in helping you to get a read on the situation and how you can help. And also recognize that it might be really hard to sit with their discomfort. So what I mean by that is the night that he actually died, the night that Kim's father actually died, she called me sobbing unexpectedly at like two in the morning. So there's like a 12 hour time difference between the Philippines and America, where we live in America anyway. So it was 2 a.m. here in Michigan and she calls me and she's sobbing and she tells me that basically they've figured out that he's going to pass very soon. 
like that night. Like there's nothing else that they can do for him. And it was really hard for me to hear her that upset. First of all, because Kim is not a crier. She's very emotionally stoic. (laughs) Unlike me, who it's very clear what I feel or what I think at any given time. I'm just a very open and expressive person. She is not. She's got a very good poker face and she's much more reserved. And so to hear her that upset was in some sense shocking because she didn't display that level of emotion in 10, 12 years we've been together. She's never been that upset about something. And then also just because she was so far away, you know, there was nothing I could do for her. I couldn't I couldn't hold her. I couldn't go get her something to drink. I couldn't wrap a blanket around her. Like there was nothing that I could physically do for her in that moment except to be on the phone and listen to her cry. And it might be that difficult with you and this person that you care about. You know, they might be really, really upset and you might just wish that you could problem solve it away buy them something or give them something or make something happen. And a lot of the times it cannot be fixed. And so it's just going to require strength and stability on your part to be there for them and not try to fix it. In fact, in Buddhism, there's this image of a mother whose child is being swept downstream. So it's fallen in the river and it's being swept away. And the mother has no arms. Don't ask me who came up with this example. But in this vision, The mother has no arms, and so all that she can do is run along the riverbank and be absolutely present with her child, even though she can't save it. You know, she can't get in the water and do anything about it. It's kind of the same idea of to be compassionate toward the person that you love who's suffering. There's nothing you can necessarily do about that pain except for be present with them. And maybe that means you can hold their hand or you can give them a hug. Or sometimes, as the case was with Kim in this instance, I couldn't even do that. I was too far away. And all you can do is just literally sit on the line (laughs) of the telephone and do what you can to offer reassurances. Not, again, not the fake platitudes, but just the, I'm here for you, and you're going to be okay, and you're going to get through this, and whatever you need to say to show that you are supportive of them and their experience in that moment. And validating those experiences are really all that we can do in situations like that, just acknowledging that they are facing a challenge that This is something that's maybe terrible that's happened. And anything that we can say that's along the lines of, I understand why you feel this way. It's absolutely natural that you feel this way. Of course you feel this way. It must be really hard for you to deal with this right now. If you need anything, don't hesitate to ask me. I don't care what it is. I will absolutely stop what I'm doing and do this for you. Anything like that is very helpful. We can also encourage them to take care of themselves. So again, we can't always step in and seize control of the situation. And let's be honest, I am absolutely talking about myself right now. (laughs) Like I said, I'm a very proactive, problem-solving person. So when something happens, I want to get in there and I want to start doing the work immediately. (laughs) And when I can't, the amount of restraint is directly in proportion to how uncomfortable I am. So the less I am able to do, the more uncomfortable I am with the situation. That's just how it is. But that said, people can absolutely take care of themselves. And so one of the things you could do is to encourage them to practice that self-care. Remind them. Sometimes they just need to be reminded. Like Kim right now, you know, she doesn't have the full functioning capacity of her mind, thoughts, and emotions because it's in the grief process. Reminding them to relax, reminding them to do things that they enjoy, reminding them to 
exercise or to go be in nature remind them to do the things that they need to do to take care of themselves and encouraging that and being like I am so happy that you did x y and z I'm so glad you came on this walk with me today I am so glad that you took time out to do this for yourself today whatever it is just be very encouraging and supportive of them taking care of themselves because let's be honest when we are dealing with something tough Sometimes one of the first things that we do is throw self-care out of the window, right? We just don't have the motivation or the desire to do that because we're suffering. But self-care is exactly the thing that helps alleviate the suffering. So anything that you can do to encourage them to keep practicing self-care would definitely be helpful. You can also ask them if they want help. So again, don't charge in (laughs) and just take control. Still talking about myself 100%, but just saying, do you want help? Is there anything I can help you with? And sometimes people are not going to want help. They're going to want space, and that's totally fine. Don't take it personally. It has nothing to do with you. They just don't maybe want to be around people, or they just don't want anyone catering to them in that way at this moment. Others will want help, and they might even have specific ideas of maybe you could do X, Y, or Z for me. That would be really helpful. But sometimes people want help, but they have no idea what they want and need. They're just like, I do need help, but I don't even know. And so try to be patient. Try to be flexible. It's, again, going to depend on who it is you're working with. And don't expect two people to be the same. So Kim and her grief process is not going to be the same as, like, my best friend and her grief process. Or, you know, these are all different people, and they're going to react to different situations in different ways. And even Kim, this is her reaction to her father's death. But if she's in a different tough situation, like, I don't know, I'm making something up. But like, let's say one day she loses her job or something. She's going to react differently to that. And so the situation and the person will dictate what you offer and what you're able to do for them. But if they do want help, I usually find that it's useful to offer practical help. So you could start by asking them about specific tasks or responsibilities that you could assist with. So for example, I've offered to run errands for Kim, to cook meals, to to do things that I think would alleviate kind of her emotional or mental or physical burdens, anything that's part of her routine that I can kind of take over. That's involved a lot of Charlie's care, for example. Our dog Charlie, he has mobility issues. He can't really move around. And so he requires a lot of care. He basically has to be carried everywhere all day. (laughs) And he's 30 pounds. He's not light, but carried outside to use the bathroom, carried to his meals, carried to his cushions, these kind of things. And just not expecting her to try to do that stuff, just trying to do the things without bothering her, just kind of talking to her gently, things like that. And also it might help to think about how you can offer assistance If you're aware of the different levels of care, so for example, there's emotional labor, physical labor, and mental labor. These are all different areas where someone might be feeling burdened. So emotional labor refers to the effort or work involved in managing or regulating one's emotions or the emotions of others. So it's an idea that came from sociology, and it usually has to do with expressing our emotions or concealing our emotions. Are you a safe person for your loved one to express their feelings with? Can they cry with you? Can they get angry or express their hurt with you? If what they're going through is bringing up a lot of anger for them, is it okay for them to vent that anger in your presence? So for example, with me, it was really hard for me to be a safe space for other people's anger for a really long time because I had a terrible history of my father's anger. When people would get angry, I would get credibly triggered. I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel like I could listen. I would start to shut down. 
So it was really clear that like I was not the person to be angry around. <laughs> I'm better now, just so you know, I'm okay. But it took time. It really took time and effort for me to make it clear to myself that just because someone is angry, that doesn't mean they're angry at me or that they hate me or, or that they want to do something to me just because my father was abusive in that way. And so don't ever put yourself in a situation that is at the expense of your own well-being. So if you're not someone who's great with anger, you know, don't offer yourself up to do that emotional labor for them. But if you can offer support and consolation or reassurance to someone who's distressed or upset, then absolutely try to be that empathetic presence for them. And other forms of emotional labor can be trying to help them manage their stress, manage their frustrations, managing some of these negative emotions that come up because of the difficult situation, maintaining a positive atmosphere. If you remain relaxed, it might be easier for them to physically or mentally or emotionally relax. The other form of labor is mental labor. So thinking about kind of the cognitive and intellectual efforts that we put into certain tasks. So when we're doing a task, it's rarely ever just the task. There's actually quite a bit that happens before we even do the task itself. In our heads, we might be planning all the meals for the week. We might be going through recipe lists, figuring out what we need to buy, making the grocery lists. All of that is happening before the actual shopping or even the making of the meal or the doing the dishes after. So there's physical labor, but then there's all the mental labor that goes into it before. And there are just some tasks that occupy mental space in our heads. So for example, Kim and I share a car. So if I get in the car and I realize that the gas is at a quarter tank, I could just fill it up for her, right? That way she's not getting in the car every time thinking, oh, I need to get gas. I need to remember to do it this time. And But then, you know, she doesn't because she doesn't have time and she's in a hurry and because she's not thinking clearly. And so she gets in and now is taking up her mental space again. Oh, that's right. I need to get gas. And so things like that, like you can just remove mental labor tasks that might be cluttering up the mind or that might be kind of burning on the back burners. Is that how we say it? <laughs> And so clearing some of that out for them so that they don't have to worry about any of that so much. But anything that requires concentration or focus, it might be really hard for your person right now that you're supporting. So Kim has told me, for example, that her desire to socialize or to be in the company of others is just non-existent right now. She said that she's having a hard time texting people back, that she basically just has been ignoring everything, like calls and texts. And so the people in her life, like her friends and family, they're not going to take that personally. I hope they don't take it personally. But it's basically like she just doesn't have the mental or emotional capacity to have those conversations right now. She doesn't want to hear one more person tell her, I'm so sorry for your loss. Your person, if they're dealing with something, if they're going through something, they might just not have the emotional capacity to have certain conversations or to show up for people in certain ways. They might just need rest. They might just need deep rest in these situations and you can help create that space for them so that they can rest. And that's done with a very light touch, a very loving touch, assuming as much labor burden work that you can for them so that they can relax more and not worry about so many things. But again, not doing any of that at the expense of yourself, right? Don't put yourself in a tough position just to help them out. But if you can do it, if you've got extra capacity, so I work for myself, right? I have a very flexible schedule. So it's not out of the question that I can move things around in order to accommodate her. And I know that she isn't going to be like this forever, right? So of course I can make short-term adjustments for her to try to make things easier for now. 
And I'm also trying to just not take anything personally because Kim is not feeling like herself, right? Her mood can be all over the place. She might be more impatient than usual. In general, I would describe her as a pretty steadfast person emotionally. She does not experience the emotional volatility <laughs> that I do unless she is hangry. Okay, let's be clear about that though. If she is hungry, she absolutely breathes fire and becomes a dragon. But if I feed her something or give her a snack, she returns to her original benevolent form. <laughs> With the exception of Hanger, she's a pretty emotionally steadfast person. She doesn't change her mind as quickly or get over things as quickly or hung up on things as quickly as I do. I'm very flexible in that sense. But when someone is going through something, that changes, right? Their fuse might be shorter. They might not have a lot of patience. They might not be able to filter kind of how they're feeling. They might get upset about something and you're like, oh my gosh, I have no idea why that was even a trigger. And I'm not saying you need to tolerate abuse from anybody, not to that extreme. But if you find yourself thinking like, oh my God, are they mad at me? Like, what did I even do? The answer is probably not. <laughs> They're probably not mad at you. They're probably mad at the world because this terrible thing has happened and they don't have the answers that they want. And it's upsetting. It's disappointing. It's heartbreaking. And they're dealing with it and they're trying to get through the other side. And so don't take things personally. They're just not at their best. They're trying. And if you do feel like it's getting out of hand, like maybe, I don't know, they're taking it out on you somehow. Fortunately, Kim is not doing this to me about her dad's death. Maybe it's a different situation where this person is taking it out on you, either their anger or they're directing their grief at you somehow. You can always set a boundary. You can be like, you know, I care about you. I love you and I want to help you, but you are not allowed to do this to me or I won't tolerate you saying these things to me. I mean, you can always be firm, even if the person is grieving or going through something. And again, keeping it simple, just something like, I know that you're having a hard time right now, but don't say X, Y, or Z to me, or don't do X, Y, or Z because it hurts me or it bothers me. I'm just trying to help you. And if you don't want me to help you, that's fine. I can give you space, but don't do X, Y, and Z. Just be direct. I find that that's usually the most helpful. And also, I would just advise you to let go of all expectations. So as in the case with grief, everyone processes it differently. Whatever you think you know about a particular trauma, you don't. <laughs> and I try to remind myself of that constantly when I'm writing episodes for this show. I try to be very mindful that I'm only sharing my experience. I can only offer what I find helpful. Everyone is going to have their own unique experiences. So be careful when you're dispensing advice to other people or you're sharing your own stories with other people. It's great to let people know that they're not alone, but saying things like, oh yeah, I totally understand. It's just like when I insert trauma here. <laughs> that could really backfire because they may feel like you're making the situation about yourself or that you're trying to kind of commandeer or brush over or invalidate their experience and make it be like totally normal and it's fine and it doesn't matter because this happens to everyone and they should just get over it. But everybody's different. So it took me a year to get over my mother death. Coming up on the one-year anniversary of her death, I was still feeling pretty raw about it, like I was having a hard time in July of 2021, which was like a year later. But now, you know, we're three years out, and I don't feel the same way I feel about it. But that doesn't mean that Kim's going to be totally over her dad in a year or three years or a month. You know, don't put the expectations on someone to grieve in a certain way or to deal with a breakup. So for example, if you got a divorce or you had a breakup and you were over it in two years, but the person that you're trying to help out now, it's five years later and they're still hung up, 
or the contrary to that being that six weeks later they were totally over it and you were like, no way, you must still be repressing. <laughs> you know, we just don't know. We just have to give people the space to process things however they want to process them and then hold space for that. So doing your best not to dictate what should or shouldn't be happening. Just having a very light touch and being like, okay, this is where they are right now. And now they're somewhere different. Okay, now we're going to work with this. And just letting the process kind of naturally resolve itself. And again, always encourage them to get professional help if they need it. It's great to be present for the people in our lives, to love them and care for them. But we are not substitutes for trained professionals (laughs) who know what they're doing with things like grief and loss and you know, heartbreak or divorce or anything that they might be dealing with. If they need to speak to someone, if they need to get a professional therapist or a counselor, absolutely encourage them to do so. Say really affirming things like, I am so proud of you for going and talking to somebody. Absolutely keep it up. Whatever you think might help them along, you can do that. And again, just this reminder that anything that you do for them, whatever you choose, it does not have to be at the expense of your own well-being. You do not have to give anything of yourself that you don't want to give or that you can't give because you're not going to be doing anyone any favors if you become exhausted or stressed out or overworked. Only give of yourself out of love. Do what you can, but not from this place of feeling like you have to. Doing things for people because you feel like you have to do them, that is obligation. That's the sense of obligation in it. That's a totally different problem, (laughs) which we could probably have a whole episode about. But you don't need to be obligated to someone that you're trying to take care of. I mean, okay, I guess maybe there's kids. Kids didn't ask to be born, so maybe you have obligations to your kids. But even then, like how useful are you to your kids if you haven't been fed and you can't get any sleep and you can't take care of yourself? So I would still encourage you to try to take care of yourself first above other people and then give what you want to give because you can. And lastly, there's always Tonglen. And I feel like I say it in every episode, but yes, meditation helps (laughs) for both of you, for both you, yourself, and also for the person that you're trying to be helpful for. For you so that you can process these heavy feelings and experiences of being a helper, which can be taxing. And also for them by sending out that loving, compassionate energy into the universe. So you might be thinking, does it really help sending out this loving, compassionate energy? And to that I say, well, it certainly doesn't hurt, does it? To send out good thoughts, positive vibes, love, whatever you want to call it, depending on your worldview. And if you don't know what I mean by Tonglen, please go back and listen to that episode on meditation that I posted early in this show. Or you can also Google Pema Chodron, Tonglen, T-O-N-G-L-E-N, and you'll see what I'm talking about. There's a video to it. Actually, I can just link the video in the show notes of this episode and you can watch that on YouTube as well. But all in all, just do what you can from a loving place and don't wear yourself out doing it. And that's all for today, dear human. As always, I hope you found this episode useful. And if you would like to write into the show and ask my thoughts on something that you're dealing with, I would love to hear from you or through any of my social media or through my email at corey at coryamshrum.com. And otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. And until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. 
Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.